Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hey, I'm Joe Levy, and on the latest episode of Inside the Studio, I sat down with one of the all-time great singer-songwriters, James Taylor. We talked about his new album, where his music comes from, and how telling his life story through his songs has helped him. Music saved my life, but I was lucky also to survive. I did some very stupid, some some years that were, were just really high risk, unnecessarily so, and a lot of people around us died, you know. So join me, Joe Levy, editor-at-large at Billboard, for this and other in-depth conversations with the biggest artists in music. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Crush. It's Chuck Bryan here, next to Noel Brown. You sound so pleasant today, Chuck. Mr. Noel Brown. Mr. Chuck Bryan, as I live and breathe. <laughs> you know what I just realized, Noel, is we didn't sing at all in that last episode. Is that a thing? We have to sing in every episode and you have to mock me for being a Harry Potter fan? We, well, no. And poke at my holes? We don't. Uh, <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we don't uh, always sing, but it, it, you know, we've talked about this. It seems like we end up singing. That's true. A lot. Sometimes for no reason, you just have to sing. <laughs> it comes from the heart. I love that that I introduced you to the dance movie. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah, the dance movie. Is it like a is it like a drumline movie? Is it like one of those? No, man. Is See it... a dance movie, Noel. <laughs> See Footloose for God's sakes. Is it like uh, like one of those movies from the the twenties? With the big cakes and stuff, and everyone's yeah, it's a big cake synchronized movie. swimming. Yeah, you know, that's what it is. That. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Chuck? Yeah. Well, the Cohen brothers got to um, sort of duplicate that in Hail Caesar. Remember, that's right. With Scarlett Johansson. That's right. Yeah. That must have been so much fun oh, to I shoot. Bet. Yeah. You know. Totally. Have you seen Ballad of Buster Scruggs yet? By the way. Well, my friend, that is on stream this in this very episode. Oh, good. So save it. Okay. I love that. Have you seen it? Yeah, several, okay, several times. Well, we're going to do a little mini crush to judgment then. All right, social studies is what we're going to start out with, though, everyone. Social studies on movie crush. I asked you all uh, a few weeks ago, if you could ask your favorite actor any one question, what would that be? And here we go with DC Hoover. Good one. He says, I would ask Matt Damon why he never wrote another script after Goodwill Hunting. You know what? I have a theory about that. Because you know who has written other scripts? Ben? Ben. So you think Ben was the main I writer? Think ben was the was the guy. Has Ben written other scripts? Did he write some of those? He wrote The Town, dude. Okay, I didn't know. I knew he directed. I I'm didn't know he sure. wrote. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. And I thought he wrote Gone Baby Gone as well. I thought no that or that was adapted, wasn't it? Wasn't that based on a book? I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he wrote The Town though. Okay. Well, why don't you type your little fingers over there into Mr. Ben Affleck's holes and find out how he has them plugged. 
what is going on? <laughs> God, so base. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, why would he never write another script? He's, and uh, DC Hoover says this, I don't know if it's uncool to like that script or film, but I think it's great. No, I think Goodwill Hunting is wonderful. Yeah, dude, he wrote the screenplay for Gone Baby Gone. Wow. Um, he wrote the screenplay for The Town. Wow. Yeah, and another another good. the town is great. They were both good. Yeah, they and were both another really one good. called Live by Night or Live by Night. I well, that's the one. Like he had a really stellar directing and writing thing going until Live by Night. Oh, that really? Was his, yeah, it was it wasn't good. Flop. Okay, I didn't even see it, but it, it got panned. He also wrote a screenplay for a Batman movie that didn't get made. Oh, interesting. I, I seem to remember that floating around when he became Batman for right. a minute. Yeah, I didn't but, like him as Batman. No, but I'm serious, dude. I think Matt Damon. All right, maybe well, so not just, the writer. Well, he may have, uh, you know, there's lots of different ways to collaborate. He may not have put finger to keys. Well, there's, there's, it's funny, too, because the, the joke used to be that Ben Affleck was the big dumb bro and that right. Matt Damon was probably, like, the brains behind the operation. But seeing some of Ben Affleck's direct, directing work, sure. I kind of think dumb bro. He's, he's, he's got some chops. Yeah. Maybe Damon's the dummy. Damon's the dummy. Remember how they portrayed him in that <laughs> Team America movie where it's like, Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, maybe it's like that. I like those guys. I'm, I'm staying behind them. Yeah, me too. Good old hunting's great. And it turned me on to uh, Elliot Smith for oh, the first time. Really? That I was mean, where you got it, huh? Yeah. Miss Misery? Yeah, so good. Mm. R.I.P. Jacob Stubblefield says, Hugh Jackman, I would not ask him a question per se. I would thank him for being the perfect Wolverine for so many years and always keeping the integrity of the character. That's wonderful. Yeah, especially in that really, really gritty one. The last Logan? one. Logan. That was great. What a, what a movie. I really enjoyed that. That girl was fucking fantastic. Yeah, all of it. Everything about that. Just the way the, the arc such, of such that a bold, character, like, yeah. choice for like such an iconic character because it was so yeah, man. just dusty and sad and, and just like yeah. violent in the most nihilistic way kind of, uh-huh. you know? I, I thought it was great. Well, and especially at a time where superheroes are eventually just replaced – and like, well, we got a new Spider-Man or now we got a new uh, Fantastic Four or whatever. There's no like uh, oh, totally. sentimentality like or arc of a character. Like with Logan, they're not just going to replace I imagine they will at some point. some point. But they have given this character sort of an ending. We, we still need to grieve, Chuck. Yeah. The public needs to grieve and then they'll, yeah, yeah. they'll drop in some new hot shot to be Wolverine. But maybe they'll do a good job. And that'll all be in service of the work that Hugh Jackman did for the character. Yes. That whoever they get – has to be damn good. Boy, man, I would not want to take over Kinda that like role. Kind of like Heath Ledger doing the Joker, you know? Yeah. He had some serious yeah. shoes to fill, and, he, and he, he did a good job. He did. Uh, Andy Kepler says, John Goodman was the, oh, you're just, this is right up my alley, buddy. Was the fire at the end of Barton Fink real or part of the main character's imagination? Did you see Barton Fink? Yeah, I'm. That that's sort of a spoiler right there, isn't it? Uh, n- Not really, okay. I mean... There's a fire toward the end of the movie. Okay, that's true. We don't have to get too into it. Um, but there's a lot of, like, am- ambiguity about well, that's what's what real if we're and gonna, what's not If we're going to discuss it, you know, we have to spoiler alert this a little bit. Because uh, this isn't John Goodman's character. Spoiler alert for Barton Fink, okay. movie that's 20 years old at this point. <laughs> yeah. Isn't John Goodman's character kind of the devil? Well. Is that the point? Is that maybe it's, it is all in his imagination? There's this kind of, like, neurotic I don't know. writer that's, like, freaking out about this deadline, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's this neighbor in the hotel. Madman Munt that, is who he turns out to be, a yeah, serial killer. Right. So but, he's not the devil. Okay. But uh, there are definitely, like, 
super, sort but of the fire is meant to be supernatural, right? Yeah, because like it's, it's not like it it showed like a fire started somehow. It's no. just it's spontaneous. It was combustion. like emanating from this dude, which is why I'm saying. I yeah, and as he ran like down he the hall, the, the fire spread with him. Right. I don't know. I think it's just sort of that stylized Coen Brothers thing. For sure. But I also think there's something to be said about the fact that the the Barton Fink or um, what's the actor's name? John Turturro's character is just kind of slowly losing his mind and losing touch with reality. And like, well, and that's what John Goodman is yelling at him as he runs down the hall is I'll show you the life of the mind. There you go. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. I think the life of the mind, it's almost like adaptation, right, where you're experiencing this guy's creativity in him. Going mad, like in him, in yeah. him losing, uh, losing his mind, kind of. Like yeah, yeah, that's how he's um, using his imagination. Is like instead of writing, he's kind of just like experiencing it all yeah. in this really visual way, and we're kind yeah. of like right there with him. I don't know. I like it. I love that movie. It's a very good movie. That's one of my old faves back in college. Very good stuff. Uh, Jane Savage. In fact, I'm going to have my good friend Eddie on to uh, talk about Barton Fink. We've already talked about this. Jane Savage says my favorite actress is Kathy Bates. I don't know what I would ask her except maybe about her role in Six Feet Under, which is one of my favorite performances of hers. So wonderful. That show meant so much to me. Me so too, much man. to me. Emily's favorite show ever. Hmm? Her number one. My, mine too. Uh, yeah, unequivocally. It, it, I was watching it right when my father died. Oh, wow. And you would think that that would be like a real bummer or like really heavy or like not something you would want to do. Yeah. But it actually gave me a lot of comfort kind of. And it was really interesting that it just like I I kept rolling with that show. Wow. The whole way, like when it was on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. What a powerful, amazing show. Kathy Bates was great. She was one of my favorite characters. You know, she popped up uh, every now and then as as, – she wasn't a relative. Wasn't she just a good friend of Patricia Clarkson? Or was she – Yeah. No, a really good friend. Okay. But she was not a relative though, right? I do not believe so. Okay. They were just great. I love seeing those two together. Patricia Clarkson is a is a treasure. A treasure. Mm-hmm. Dream guest. Yeah. She's amazing. Boy, I'd love to meet her. Uh, Cam Hopman says, Tom Hanks, I would say after Big, how did Josh's life play out? Good one. I'd, I'd love to hear Tom Hanks surmise something like that. Yeah. That'd be fun. He, does, he get, does he get shrunk back? He gets shrunk back to kid size at the end, right? He does. Uh... I would love to see a sequel to that. How about a big sequel? Here's a weird question for you. Did they have did they really have sex? Or was it just like heavy <laughs> petting? Well, I think they really had sex as his adult That's form. That's what I mean. But uh wow. yeah, I mean it was technically a, a whatever. And how did she not catch on moment. like this d- person doesn't, doesn't know how to have sex. Doesn't know how to have sex. It's very well, confused. That, that could happen a lot though, you know. I don't know. That happens to all guys, Noel, is what I'm saying. It's very true, but he was what, like, like uh, was he t- 10? How old was he meant to be in that I movie? I f- feel like he was like 11-ish, 12, maybe 11-ish. Maybe. Okay. Well, then he had, he had some ideas. Yeah. I never really, I, I mean, it's that movie is tainted it's now. A, it's a weird question. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, it's not tainted. It's a very nice movie. It's a nice movie. That scene always just weirded me out a little. Uh-huh. And I was also, I was a kid. So, like, my kid, when some people kiss on movies, she she covers her eyes. Oh, that's right. When sweet. I was that age, I think I was really uncomfortable with that as well for yeah, a yeah. time until then I was, like, sort of like, ooh, right. i got to find more <laughs> movies like this, you know? Uh, Seth Nixon says uh, he would sit down with Gene Wilder and say, what did you and Cle- uh, Cleavon Little talk about when you uh, rode off into the sunset in the Cadillac at the end of Blazing Saddles? Oh, that's a great question, Seth. 
you know, the end of Blazing Saddles, they get in the Cadillac and ride off through the desert, and they're, uh, it's this great long shot, and they're laughing and talking to one another, the top's down, you can see them talking and laughing and talking and laughing as they drive away. So he's like, what were you guys talking about? I would love to know that. You know, I don't remember that scene. That's uh, that's a movie that I've always uh, seen in little bits and pieces. I don't think I've seen it in one sitting, but maybe the funniest movie of all okay. time. Okay. Joke, joke for joke. Got it. Um, William Angus says, Vincent D'Onofrio, I would say, uh, I would say you've played a lot of bad guys, most recently on Daredevil, and now uh, you're trying to be the new Lex Luthor in the DC universe. I didn't know that. Uh, what attracts you to play the bad guy? That's a good question for Vincent D'Onofrio. Although he is not exclusively a bad guy, but he, he can play a good bad guy. When I'm thinking of like the one the roles that come to mind, the iconic kind of ones, I do think tend to think of the bad guys. Well, Full Metal Jacket. But that's the thing that that's a very ambivalent. Is he the bad guy? He becomes the bad guy, but he's also totally like he's a troubled guy. He's just a troubled kind of sad guy. Yeah, he's know? not like a villain. No, not uh, at all. Yeah, but he he has played some very larger than life villains, like the character in the uh, the cell. Which whatever you think about the cell, we were talking about right. J Lo earlier. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. like this weird, like psychotic demon overlord yeah, kind of guy, you know? That's right. And the guy that directed that did like the Losing My Religion video. Uh, Tarsim, Tarsim right? Singh. Tarsim yeah. Singh. Yeah, it's a very visually compelling movie. Yeah, yeah, agreed. He did. Uh, I kind of thought that was the f- beginning of really big things for him, and I think he did another movie um, that didn't do as well, and then has not done a lot since. All right, our stat man's checking it. Yeah, I'm trying to look up his IMDb. I mean, he's definitely he's got a recurring role in one of those uh, SVU type shows. Like that Law, really, Law and an Order. Actor? Yeah, he's he's on a Law and Order show oh, I didn't like know that. all the time. Oh, well, shit. So I wonder if his movie career kind of took a little bit of a backseat. Interesting to be a actor on a hit show. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I mean there's nothing wrong with that, but it yeah, just yeah. does seem like that's a little sure. Prestige is slightly lower because it's like no, a, I agree. Director of a movie as opposed to. Uh, uh, On-screen detective? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing. Saving money with GEICO is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hey, it's Ben, Henry, and Marcus, hosts of The Last Podcast on the Left. Our show's dedicated to uncovering hilariously horrifying stuff. And now we're only on Spotify. Join us. If you want. Obviously, we'd never force anyone to just blindly join us. That'd be crazy! But if you like stories about doomsday cults who do exactly that and more, please join us on Spotify. Visit spotify.com slash last podcast to listen free. All right, Kenneth uh, Balagot or Balago. I don't know how you say your name. Daniel Craig, who is your favorite Bond? That is a great question to ask Daniel Craig. That may be that information may be out there actually. I feel like Daniel Craig is lauded like Sean Connery, perhaps. I thought he was great. Who, Daniel Craig? Yeah. Or? It was like No, he is great. But who do you think his favorite bond would be? Oh, that's um, the question. Probably Connery. I think I've heard him talk about Connery. Connery's got had had a little bit of the edge, you know? He had sure. a little bit of that. 
Yeah. And a little bit of the kind of like a intense face and eyes and he wasn't just a little a more total, dangerous. Total pretty boy, you know. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. I like Daniel Craig because he was just kind of like sad Bond. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was like Bond as Batman kind of, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it 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 definitely rounded out that character and with a dimension that we had never seen. We had never seen James Bond have emotions really. You know, not like that. Yeah, for sure. When like, he loses his lady, right? Yeah, I mean the only emotions that Roger Moore had were karate chop and and, and boing yeah and um, and martini time. <laughs> hey, I love Roger Moore was my guy. I grew yeah, up with him, so sure. I loved it. So ap- apologies, I'm not trying to disrespect the man's work. No, it's a but but the I think the Daniel Craig stuff sort of elevated the Bond material Absolutely. to a little bit more of like a real type of human with complexities yeah. or whatever. Even and Pierce like Brosnan movies. was very yeah, the old way for sure. kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Mark Phonom says, not my favorite actor, but I always want to have dinner with Eugene Levy and pick his brain about SCTV. That would be fun. He seems really fun. Yeah, I think he's a good guy too, supposedly. He'll also, he'll do just about any project you throw at him too because he's been been in some amazing stuff and he's been in some some shit. I bet he wouldn't be on Movie Crush. He would. Why? (laughs) Because I'm talking shit. No, um, I think he's a hugely talented guy. But there are just some things where I'm like, why did you do this, Eugene? Like American Pie 3, you know? Right. I'm sure he has uh, several hundred thousand reasons why. That's fair. That's fair, Chuck. (laughs) Um, and then finally, Michelle Johnson says, uh, Steve McQueen, the, the legendary Steve McQueen, she said, I would say, what was it like making The Towering Inferno? And who did you like meeting out of all the stars in that movie? I love it. Kind of fanboying out with Steve McQueen. Also, given the opportunity, what role would you have liked to have played in your career? Hey, Michelle, I love a uh, throwback Steve McQueen reference. He was the man. Have you ever seen any of his movies, Noel? I haven't. Bullet, right? People love Bullet. Yeah, you should. I mean, if you're going to see anything, see Bullet and, like, to me, The Great Escape. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it's a great movie, but sure. I think his his part in that is fantastic. Um, yeah, Steve McQueen. No, no cooler guy has ever graced a movie screen, perhaps. All right, Noel, we're going to stream this. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the Coen Brothers anthology film that uh, – was released in, on Netflix and in select theaters. Um, I'm kind of mad I didn't see it in the theater. It was at the Plaza, for, or not the Plaza, the Midtown I know. For, for a minute. Yeah. I just, uh, man, that on the big screen, it would have been really something else. It's beautiful. Beautifully shot movie. Beautifully shot movie. Mm-hmm. Did you love it? I did love it. There were some that I loved more than others of the of the six uh, little vignettes or whatever you want to call them. Sure. Um, but the, the one with... The first one, the the really funny one, the, the Ballad of Buster yeah, Scruggs. That one's incredible and so funny, and also really moving at the end. It's like really, really, know, really man. good. It's very sweet. Uh, the one with Tom Waits, I think, is perfect. I think oh, it's God. so beautiful. He's like this mountain man panning for gold and the streams somewhere, and like looks like a painting. Yeah, like, it's insane. Yeah, that's yeah. uh. Well, the the first one is the Ballad of Buster Scruggs with Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, the second one is near Algodonas. Um, which I've actually spent some time in Algodonas, Mexico. It's right over the border from Yuma, where I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, that one had uh, uh, what's his face, Franco, James Franco, mm-hmm. and uh, was the shortest one. And really, like I don't want to give anything away, but 
I thought was just very Cohen's. It's great. The most Cohen brothers of them all, perhaps. It's a comedy of errors. In tone. It's a total comedy of errors. Yeah. You know, where everything goes wrong and then goes wrong again and then gets better and then goes back to being yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. It was really kind of funny. And, and they let, it's so much happens in such a tight little compressed story. Uh-huh. And I thought it was. Pan shot. Yeah. That was my favorite part. <laughs> Pan shot. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Uh, the third one was uh, Meal Ticket. This one was a— That is a bummer. It was a bummer. This was the one with uh, Liam Neeson, and uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but the the, the other guy that he worked with uh, as sort of traveling carny, side not carny, but sideshow act. Um, cool seeing Liam Neeson in something like that, though, you know? Yeah, very understated role. Yeah. Very little dialogue. Didn't kick anyone's ass. Didn't kick anyone's Didn't ass. Didn't kill anybody with his bare That's hands. Right. It's weird how he became that thing. Well, you, did you hear what I just said? Yeah, what? Spoiler, everyone. So if you haven't seen it, turn it off for 20 seconds. I said, didn't kill anyone with his bare hands. Oh, shit. But he fucking did. Yeah, he did. You're right. He threw him off the cliff. I know. I know. But that was was implied. Yes. It was implied. All right, everyone. We're back from spoilers. We're back from spoilers. Uh, But yeah, I I thought that was good. And really, sort of for the Coens, very kind of emotional. It was very somber. Somber and deep. Oh, yeah. No, I actually watched it with my mom over Thanksgiving. Oh, cool. Um, she doesn't really like movies. She's kind of a curmudgeon when it comes to this kind of stuff. And she always is suspicious when I'm like, you should watch this. She's like, mm, I don't right. know. <laughs> I don't know. I remember That's, the bachelor yeah, party exactly. thing. <laughs> right, right. And so she loved the the Ballad of Buster Scruggs one. She just thought that was so funny and yeah. great. And, you know, I told her, I was like, it's a little violent, you know, but she really liked it. No, super violent. Uh, and I skipped the second one because I, I – or the third – no, she loved the second one with Frank. I skipped the really sad one because oh. I knew it would like. So turn you had her already off. seen it. I'd already seen it. Again. it. Okay. I skipped it because I was like, this one's too down. She doesn't like stuff like that. Right. And then we moved right on to the. Um, well, that's sweet. Tom uh, Waits one. Which yeah, is just all gold canyon. So beautiful. Yeah, and that one was so cool because not only is it you know Tom Waits and it's so great to see him on the screen anytime, but uh, I didn't know how prospecting worked. I didn't either. And to see that yeah. was so fucking cool. So it's all about like you're, you're, you're digging you're, holes, dude. You're digging holes, but you're you're um what's the word I'm looking for? You're zeroing in on something. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of using process of elimination yep. to like figure out where the gold isn't. Right. To find out where it maybe is. Yeah, man. By digging up dirt, putting it in a pan, swishing the water uh-huh. around, and seeing how many little flecks are in there. And digging another it, hole, and then putting a flag in. And uh-huh. say, okay, this area is depleted. Yep. And then by process of elimination, you yeah, find yeah. your way to the the. Mr. Pocket. Yeah, to the mother load. He calls it Mr. Pocket. So you're working your way out, and if there's, like, less gold, you're like, all right, let me go back in this direction. That's right, yeah. But you're just digging holes. And that was so cool, because I, of course, I didn't either. Yeah, it was really neat. the procedure of all this stuff. And it was so, like, they didn't explain it. You just see it. Yeah, yeah. It's that show-not-tell thing, you know? That's what the Coens are great at. Yeah, uh, here's another 30-second spoiler, everyone. So tune out for 30 seconds. After all of that, you love this character so much, and I was so mad when that guy shot him mm-hmm. and had not worked for that goal. You're right, of course. But it all worked out great. It does work out great. I'm Richard Blaze, and I'm a chef and restaurateur who has judged or competed on nearly every cooking show. And now I found a way to judge on a podcast. Every week on my new podcast, Food Court with Richard Blaze, I invite some of the world's most opinionated chefs, comedians, writers, and actors into my court to make their cases. Then I settle their food arguments once and for all. Think blue cheese is gross? People that like blue cheese, I think they also like the smell of their own farts. Tired of seeing cilantro everywhere? I honestly think it's a hate crime to the food people put it on. Or maybe you think cake is better than pie. You might as well be making jam. I'm not a jam maker. I'm a baker. 
I want to hear it. Sausage has killed people. Wow. Wow. I want to hear all your opinions about food and dining, no matter how unpopular they may be. And then I'll judge them. The first season of Food Court with Richard Blaze is up. Subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. right out of my face. All right, we're back from spoilers, back everyone. Back from spoilers. <laughs> I think that was less than 30 seconds. Uh, so I love should... that owl scene, too. That was really sweet. Everything about it. It's yeah. like it stars Just Tom Waits. This guy. It stars Tom Waits and an owl <laughs> and a deer. Yeah, it was just so beautiful, too, and just so, like... Like, you get it. Like, man, I could have been a prospector mm-hmm. out there by myself. By himself. Beautiful land. Yeah, I think that I don't. I don't know. If I would he, have had a dog though. I, oh yeah, for sure. I don't know if he did the cinematography for all of them. I, I kind of feel like maybe they worked with some different people, but the cinematographer on that one was the guy that did Amelie. Oh, um, my friend was telling me that. So such um, a beautiful film. It's very beautiful, and it's like very bloomy, kind of like uh, soft focus sunset, kind of. You just yeah, like the, everything. About and, and it, it was is, the lush west that yes. you don't see. You see dusty west so That's much, right? And this was like so green. Yeah, and this lush is like Wyoming and, or, or yeah, like uh, something like that. Yeah, it's very very cool. Uh, the next one up was the gal who got rattled. This was probably my favorite one. Yeah, That's great. Um, just so it's just great storytelling. Great storytelling. storytelling. Yeah. And I think that the Coens had been writing these for like a long time. They had, yeah. Just kind of like on and off for funsies or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably picked the best, their favorite. But I bet you there's yeah. more. I bet you there's a lot more where these came I'd from. I'd love to see a part two. Yeah. So great. It's, yeah. That one is just uh, – what, what, what's the actress's name who was in The Big Sick? Zoe Kazan. She's great. Yeah, she She's is. so – That face. Understated and, and expressive. Just, she and can play so much with that really, face. Really, really great. Yeah. Yeah, it was a wonderful movie. And the, and the writing in that one and the acting, it was just so good. It was that – Sort of period of the West where people spoke really formally, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it it was so good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil the end. Well, and of that it's got one, that Oregon Trail, yeah, wagon train, adventurous yep. kind of spirit or whatever. I don't know. It's just it was a very touching and exciting uh, little episode, I guess yeah. you would call it. Yeah. That one was a decent length, actually. That one felt like it was it was a half hour almost. I or, think it was the longest one yeah. for sure. Okay, uh, and then they finished up with uh, the mortal remains, which was. Which was great and very talky and weird and sort of creepy. You know, that's the one. I was watching it with a friend and I kind of got distracted during that one. And I was sort of up and down like doing some kitchen stuff. Uh-huh. And I got confused when it came back. And I was like, I don't think I understand what this one's about. So I need to watch that one again. From yeah, scratch. watch it again and really, really zero in on, on these conversations. Because mm-hmm. they're long. Mm-hmm. But uh, – it, it's pretty great. It's, isn't it kind of a nod to the John Ford movie? Um, stagecoach. Stagecoach. Because yeah. it's all sort of like in this uh-huh. moving stagecoach. Yeah. These kind of like <laughs> un, an, a, a ragtag band of right, you know, right. different types or whatever. Well, like, these are like, yeah, five strangers. Yeah, you know? exactly. So wonderful. Yep. And uh, a great way to end it too. And sort of that creepy sort of like what's going to happen way. Uh, all right. We're going to finish. Uh, check out The Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix, everyone. Uh, we had a good Facebook discussion going about it too. So, comment card, Noel, five questions. Kevin Herbon says, uh, what would be a more telling trip through history, watching all the best picture winners or each year's biggest box office earner? Good question. I guess uh, it depends on what you mean by more telling. They would tell you two different things. That's exactly right. Yeah. 
two different things that you could probably combine to give you a relatively sure. decent perspective on like where people's heads were at the time. You know totally, I mean? dude. That's a nice little experiment. Yeah, that would be an interesting experiment. But then again, sometimes the best picture gets it totally wrong too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times like there's, there's some elitism that goes into like – that kind of Oscar. Yeah. And it's not even really like the way the public actually felt or the way. I wonder you know. if they've ever aligned. It's ha- possible. Has the top grossing film of the year ever won Best Picture? Maybe like Schindler's List oh, well, or Titanic. something like that or Titanic. Yeah, yeah Titanic for sure. Yeah. So I wonder what else. Handful of times maybe, but yeah. it seems rare. Yeah, especially these days. Uh-huh, for sure. Because we've talked about that. The, or Was that me and Casey or me and you talking about just sort of, it was me and Casey, like, yeah. let's give you... You know, relative garbage all year long, and mm. then but just wait till November and December, everyone. Here's the good nuggets. Like, here are good movies. Yeah. Whereas it used to be just all year long. Right. That's right. And there was shit back then too, but just throughout the year, you would the thing any is, given though, weekend would have a great movie. We get it elsewhere now, though. We get it on Netflix. Yeah. You know, we true. get it in all these other avenues. No, you're right. It seems like uh, we don't need you movies. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Wrong show. No, it's true. Uh, Will Burke says, if you could replace a single actor with another actor in a good movie to turn it into a great movie, who would you trade out? That's a good question, Will. Uh, and I actually picked one out last night. You've heard me talk a lot about Gangs of New York and the my single problem with it, which was Cameron Diaz, whom I like. I just didn't think she was good for that role, and it took me out of it. So I, I imagine if you would have replaced – if Gangs of New York had starred Leonardo DiCaprio and like Sarah Polly. Or Natalie Portman, like that would have been a totally great movie. Or maybe the one we were just talking about from Buster Scruggs, Zoe. Well, this Kazan. she would have been like a child. Then, That's but sure. true, but this is like fantasy okay, yeah. football. Yeah, type fantasy shit football. Here, okay? Zoe Kazan, she would have been great. She would have been great. Yeah, or uh, anybody. Literally anybody <laughs> except Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Did I just say anybody? No, I didn't mean that. Like, like <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. What a dick. Anyone, Noel. <laughs> Uh, Laura Giles says, how does uh, the movie business, which is in quotes, justify the salaries of A-list actors? So many uh, ways other than theaters to view movies, it'd be hard-pressed to name an actor who could guarantee a hit. That's true, but I mean, who are you going to give it to? But do you not think there's a formula or like a spreadsheet or something somewhere and some execs? They can justify the salary their client Uh demands or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's a formula. You know what it has to be. A, a predicted box office take for a given set of people and directors and month it's time it's released That's and right. genre. Like, eh, we, this is a, probably a whatever, $120 million grosser. And, and that can change too. It's like a stock, right? Like you do one bad movie and you start your sure. grosses start going down, your asking price is oh, going yeah. to go down too. You know? Yeah, or you can go away altogether. Entirely. Uh, but to answer your question, why the A-list actors, like – you know, people go see a Jim Carrey movie. I mean, this is back when he was the top dog. But you go see him for Jim Carrey, not for Courtney Cox as, right. you know, the the side character. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, Zoe Deschanel. Right. She's great. But people see Jim Carrey movies for Jim Carrey. So he should get the most money. Does it feel like there are fewer names like that these days than there maybe used to be? Yeah, someone who can quote like carry a picture. Carry it, and it's just like it's the you know you know who who it is. It's like it's like The Rock. We've got yeah, The Rock. I guess so. Sure, these action guys, but it's, it's always in the kind of actiony type movies. You yeah, know? I don't even know who like the biggest box office. I mean, for a while it was Jason like Statham, Will Smith, but he's sort I of. Uh, no, I don't think his he's, stock has dropped a I bit. Think, I think so. Yeah, I'd be curious. Oh. See who like the top people are. 
I think it's The Rock, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, like Julia Roberts at one point was, you know, a near guarantee mm. for like a, a number one film. And now she's doing a mid-sized um, Hulu show. Former for podcast. Yeah. I heard it's great. I haven't seen it. I heard it's really good. Homecoming. I heard it's really, really good. I think Julia Roberts got to a point where she had had kind of done it all. It's like she withdrew. I got kids now, and I'm married, and I can kind of slow down and be super selective. Isn't she like New Mexico or something? I think she she moved out of Hollywood. Moved out of Hollywood a long time. It's great. Yeah, I'm sure she's just really picky about what she does now, and that's why everything she does is pretty great. I bet she's really happy person. I bet she, you know, she's just like that character in Eat, Pray, Love. I think she's a good person too. Oh no, of course. I'm not. I've heard I'm she's like joking, a, but a good, not really. Good, good people. Uh, Gail Kunt, my old pal from Ohio. Uh, Gail says, "What mistakes have you seen or noticed in movies that you cannot not see anymore?" Um, she says, "Example: There's a scene in Scream where Sydney is yelling Dewey, but her mouth says no." So just a really bad audio dub, uh, dialogue dub. I've, I've never noticed that. I've seen Scream so many times, Gail, and I'm going to have to – I imagine I will see that and not be able to unsee it. But for me, it's the Star Wars, obviously, the Stormtrooper head bump uh, going into the room. I cannot unsee that now. Like in through the little uh, corridor on the ship or whatever? Yeah, have you seen that, right? There's, I think so. And he hits and his the head on the, Star Wars, on the top. Yeah, a bunch of stormtroopers are filing through and he bonks his head on the That's great. on the doorway on his way That's in. That's funny. I wonder why yeah. they didn't edit that out. I don't know, man. That might have been all they had. That's true. Or maybe it went unnoticed because I didn't notice it the first 20 times I saw of it. Of course. Until the internet came along. They were like, look at this stormtrooper. I'll tell you what it is for me. It's um, the hidden sexy messages in Aladdin. There's like uh, – Oh. It's, it's, you know, I, I would – consider that more, I guess, an Easter egg, I guess, but it's the kind of thing where you... Can, was it in the movie or on the in, cover? No, it was... Because I know on the well, cover had a No, that, 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 was, that was the Little Mermaid. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Little Mermaid had like a coral tower that looked like a like a dildo or something. <laughs> uh, in, um, a in coral Aladdin, tower that looked like a coral tower. Exactly. Uh, TM. Um, that's a, a particular brand of dildo. Yeah. The coral tower. Uh, <laughs> of power. Did you just trademark that shit? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, we're uh, splitting those problems. No, so so in Aladdin, there's a scene where Aladdin um, kind of creepily goes onto Jasmine's uh, balcony using the flying carpet. Okay. And uh, the tiger kind of comes at him, right? Uh-huh. The, Raja, the tiger. Okay. And you, you hear him say, good. It's like he's saying, good, kitty, like that. But what he's really saying is, good teenagers take off their clothes. And it's in there. And they probably have edited it out in subsequent releases. He says good teenagers take off their clothes. Yes, but it's like good teenagers take off their clothes. Like it's like it's like a hidden dubby message. <laughs> I'm not, I, dude. I shit you not, dude. Look it up on Snopes. It's a thing, okay. Wow. And once I discovered that, I could never not uh-huh. hear it. But it's the kind of thing that you could easily miss it entirely. But once you've heard it, you're gonna hear it every time, and it's it's really strange. Well. I think we should see if there's a clip. Surely it must exist. Someone's uploaded like a, you know, VHS copy of this because I know they got rid of it on the DVD reissues or the Blu-rays. But uh-huh. it, it's a thing, my friend. All right. Well, if, if we do have a clip, then uh, we're, why don't we just play it right now? So how's our little bow doing? Come on, good teenagers, take off the Come on, good teenagers, take off the All right, everyone. There it is. <laughs> Can't believe that, Noel. Did not know that was a thing. It, was there another one? You said all the things in Aladdin. Were there more creepy messages or uh, lurid messages? That was the one that, that always stands out to me. What a dumb thing to say, too. 
Yeah, but I mean, there, there's a there's a bunch of hidden things and in creepy different, different Disney movies, and it was like I think they were like blamed on some kind of rogue oh, animators. Sure. I don't know some operative exactly yeah. that is now within the Trump administration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Finally, number five, Sue Robins says, "What is your opinion of them making Breaking Bad into a movie?" Um, I think it's great. I heard that news, and I was super excited. How can that? How could that not be a good thing? Vince Gilligan and get the whole cast together again. Uh, I would. I totally can't wait for a Breaking Bad movie. Why would it not be good? There's yeah. no reason There's no that reason it wouldn't why. be good. If they it's a different story, if it's like, is it a prequel or a sequel? Or I don't movie? know. I bet it's a... That's I don't, I don't yeah. think anyone knows yet. And if Vince Gilligan's involved sure. and he's writing it based on his world that he created, it's going to be good. Yeah. It's like the Deadwood movie. Yeah. They wouldn't have made it. If there wasn't a reason to make it. Yes. I think. These these types of artists. You know what I mean? The Deadwood movie is going to be amazing. Yeah. And I think sure. so with the Breaking Bad movie. Agreed. All right, Sue. Good question. We're, we're down with it. We are down with those films. Uh, so thank you for tuning in this week, everyone. And uh, I hope you have a nice rest of your week. Yeah, I'm really not sure even what when this is going to come out. So I can't. I'm trying to think of something seasonal to say. Are we past Christmas at this point, Chuck, do you think? I don't know, but it comes out on a Monday. Well, good. Well, I hope you guys had or will have a good Christmas. Yes. What made Vincent van Gogh one of the greatest painters and most tortured souls of all time? Was Harry Houdini predestined to become the great escape artist based on his family's great escape? I'm Dr. Gail Saltz, and on my new podcast, Personology, I'll be joined by amazing experts to delve into the minds of famous historical figures. If you want to know what really made exceptional people tick, then take a listen to Personology. Listen to Personology every Monday on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Teach Me Something New, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Brit Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. This show is about inspirational thinkers, scientists, artists, and CEOs, and the things they've learned that have transformed their lives. I'm tasking these world-class experts to teach me something new in less than an hour. Listen to Teach Me Something New on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.